A very, very warm welcome to all of our listeners on Cliff Central. You are listening to Professor David Block. And the title of the uh, presentation today, the digital broadcast, is Looking Up in Wonder with David Block. There is simply so much to discuss in the realm of astronomy and the starry vaults above. Each listener has undoubtedly stood under the awesome beauty of the night skies and perhaps wondered what is astronomy really all about? And of course, that takes one down many, many different roads. But then, of course, there's also the interface, the marriage between the big, the macrocosm, and the small, you, the listener. And I always find that a fascinating uh, juxtaposition is that you've got the world of those who study the cosmos, and then you've got the grandeur of the cosmos itself. Now, of course, throughout the ages, people have been very fascinated and uh, almost uh, awed by the immensity of the universe above. And they've adopted various methodologies to express their emotions when looking at the night sky. For example, when I was a young boy at high school, it was a very emotive moment for me. My father had purchased my first telescope uh, in Krugersdorp in South Africa. And uh, I well remember, listeners, looking up at the planet Saturn with its glorious system of rings and it became an emotive moment for me. It was a moment filled not only with awe and with wonder and a sense of purpose, but it was a moment of emotion. I could almost feel Saturn within my uh, framework. I could almost embrace the beauty of Saturn within my mind. But... As I say, it wasn't a cold moment. It may have been cold outside, temperature-wise, but it was one of the warmest moments I can ever experience uh, was to feel the warmth, the beauty, the majesty, the grandeur, and the splendor of Saturn and its rings. And I think that astronomy really evokes different emotions within different people. Some depict this in the world of art, for example, which is the avenue that we're going to be exploring today from a very unique perspective. My guest today is not in South Africa. She's not resident in South Africa. She's not live in the studio with me physically in South Africa today. But she actually hails from a city in Italy, Florence. 
And of course, whenever you think of Florence, you think of one of the great giants of astronomy, Galileo Galilei. And on today's show, we're going to be exploring her life, her work, her career, and then we're going to be focusing on a most unique aspect of her interests, and that is Van Gogh. Uh, she has remarkable insights into the astronomical depictions of the skies above and of the colors of the stars above uh, as uh, delineated and depicted by that grand master, uh, Vincent van Gogh. So uh, allow me to introduce you, uh, listeners, uh, across the globe to Professor Evige Corbelli from Florence. Uh, Evige, welcome to the studio. Thank you, David. I am here online. Wonderful. And good morning, everyone. You're sounding beautifully clear, loud, clear, crystal clear indeed. A very, very warm welcome to you. Uh, and we are going to be exploring some amazing concepts uh, with uh, Professor Corbelli uh, today. But, Ivij, I'd like to ask you, just to start off, we've just got people from around South Africa and further in New York and elsewhere listening to the broadcast today, the feed, and we'd love to know from you. Uh, if you could walk us down uh, the, a lane describing your story as to why, out of all the myriads of careers that you could have chosen in the sciences, why did Evige Kobili decide to focus on astronomy? Please well, tell us. Yes, it is not an easy question, uh, but I'll try to answer. Thank you. Since uh, I did not uh, really grow up by looking at night sky and using a telescope as uh, you were describing before. Yes. Um, but I have to, um, to tell you the true story, uh, which is that I ended up in astronomy by chance, in a way. Yes. Uh, since uh, I was at the beginning uh, very much attracted by physics in general, by yes. studying physics. Was that in high school I, already? I, in a high school, yes. yes. I had this very brilliant teacher, which I hope many of the kids uh, now experience uh, uh, through school, because teachers are very important in education, but also in motivating what you will do in life. Yes. And I had this brilliant teacher of mathematics and physics, and he decided in the last year of high school uh, that uh, we had to, to explore also uh, something beyond classical physics. So he, start, he started uh, teaching us uh, something about quantum mechanics and special relativity. Yes. And I was feeling really fascinating about uh, yes. the new world. Yes. The, 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 the Heisenberg principles, the fact that we cannot determine the trajectory of a small particle. Yes. And it was so different from the classical physics. Yes. And that uh, you can find the, ener the electron only in some uh, energy states. And so I, I think I really 
would like to to understand better to this this kind of world and the physical yes. laws which regulate uh, the constituents of matter. Mm-hmm. And so the tiny world motivated my choice of uh, physics at the university. Wonderful. And uh, and unfortunately in the university I was to in southern uh, of Italy since I am originally from the south of Italy. Mm-hmm. Um there was not a there was not a big choice of uh, thesis for for me, and not many good professors to guide me in studying in studying quantum mechanics. Yes. And so I got a thesis on radio jets in astronomy, and yes. uh, those are uh, in a way structure very long structures, uh, maybe the most extended structure one can find in the universe. They are tens of millions of light years across. Yes. And perhaps uh, those are ejected by a massive black hole uh, in a galaxy through mm-hmm. the intergalactic space. Mm-hmm. And so I was studying how particles can get accelerated and can, uh, uh, can, uh, can make uh, us see those structures. So it was a thesis in between particle physics and uh, astronomy. Mm-hmm. And so I started uh, working in astronomy by chance. Uh, mm-hmm. But then after these... Uh, um, I won a fellowship and I came in Florence in the Accetri Observatory where I am right, right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, from, from Accetri I went to the States and I keep on working in astronomy, but always with the part of my heart in, uh, in particle physics in a way. So I, I never left the idea of studying uh, how matter is made. So when I was in Cornell, I was a student of Edward Peter. Uh, yes. Ed was a great astrophysicist. He studied nuclear reaction mm-hmm. in the sun. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I had the opportunity to enlarge my knowledge in quantum mechanics at the time. Also, I had I, I could follow quantum mechanics course in Cornell. But by that time, I discovered also that the the the, the world in the uh, the small world, the particle physics, yes. the elementary mm-hmm. particles, mm-hmm. were very very connected with the largest scale structure of the universe. Mm. And so, in studying astronomy, would also allow me to have some insight, to gather insight on fundamental particle physics. Yes. And so, I decided that to stay in astronomy as my main field. And in reality, later in my career, um, I studied dark matter, which is something very much related to fundamental particle physics. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I am very happy. And I, in a way, I discovered also the beauty of the sky much later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say that uh, uh, doing astronomy the way you do, in other words, understanding the large-scale structure, but then also the essential element of the very, very small, the uh, you know possible constituents of dark matter. Uh, I think that gives one a very, very unique advantage with regard to insight, because we remember the words of Marcel Proust, who said, "The real voyage." of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And it strikes me that Professor Cobelli has a set of new eyes. You you see your problems not only from the astrophysical point of view, but also 
as you say, almost from the quantum mechanical elementary particle physics point of view. I think that is just such fun. It fills me with such passion, and I'm sure it does you too. Connect the infinitely small world with the largest universe is something really fascinating. And, you know, there are also several connections about yes. uh, the, the scale that you touch uh, compared the small to the, to the larger scale. It's really like, you know, a, a ring that, uh, that closes back in a way. That's right. It, 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 uh, it, it forms an absolutely circular route. Now, of course, you uh, live and work in uh, the gorgeous, one of the most gorgeous cities in the world, I would say, Florence. Uh, when you walk, for example, uh, and you may be going shopping or you might be taking your family for a walk or whatever the case might be, um, it must be you're really walking down the streets that Galileo Galilei would have also uh, been acquainted with. That must be an incredible feeling, Evige, uh, you know, juxtaposing your career now in the year 2015 and 2014 with the, uh, you know, the greatness of Galileo Galilei himself. Does that uh, thought ever cross your mind? Sometime, but I have to say not every day because once you are in a city, you live your normal life. Uh, you don't realize of the many things that surround you so often yes. because you are taken by your work, by your uh, uh, by your daily life, by your family. And uh, uh, once in a while, especially I have to say, uh, once visitors uh, come around and they, of course, want to know many things around Florence, then I take the time and I think about. But it's more, uh, I do more this when uh, people are around rather than uh, thinking about this every moment of the day. Yes. Tell me, uh, Yvige, would you say that astronomy has evoked within your being a sense of touching the emotion as well as in other words not just the cold science for example of the heisenberg uncertainty principle but just the an emotive strike almost as a musician might strike a, a certain chord on the violin for example do you find that astronomy touches your heart rather than your head at times well, yes, it does. It does, especially when you look at sky. So when you look at a, at a dark sky, you really feel like there is a, a message from the sky that reaches you in your deep feelings in a way. So it, it's not only science, but it's also a, a way of connecting you yourself to the rest of the universe. So yes. you feel... You are part, uh, a small part uh, of something that is very large, but that you can admire from the earth. And it's, uh, uh, so, so the sky, just looking at the night sky with no pollution, uh, and just looking at the stars mm. in a solid, in a solitary moment, I would say. So, 
just you yourself and the sky. Just as you. As much as you're feeling, maybe mm-hmm. as much as music does. Absolutely. Yeah. You are listening to Professor David Block on cliffcentral.com, interviewing Professor Evige Cobelli in Florence, in Italy. We're going to be, we've got a fascinating show lined up for you, including the incredible world of astronomy, art, and Van Gogh and the colors of the sky uh, in Van Gogh's paintings. And uh, uh, I am sure you are as riveted as I am uh, to what is going to follow. To reach us in studio, the number is 0861-555-189. Listeners, may I repeat, it's 0861-555-189. The WeChat, Cliff Central, Twitter handle, at cliffcentral.com. Uh, Facebook, Cliff Central. If you want to reach us via Instagram at Cliff Central, my personal webpage is www.davidblock, one word, .co.za. That's www.davidblock, B-L-O-C-K, .co.za. And my Twitter handle is at Starry Galaxy Man. We are going to take a slight music break uh, with uh, uh, Vivaldi. We've put on a little Vivaldi for you, uh, Evige, of course, being so famous in Italy. Vivaldi and the Four Seagulls, the Seasons, Ilagro, and listeners, just imagine you're sitting back in the dark of the bush, the African bush. You're looking up at the night sky. The trees are losing their leaves. Winter is approaching, and there are different seasons. And then you hear the following.
A very warm welcome yet again to all our listeners across the globe and most especially to our guest of honor today, Evige Kobili, who resides in Florence in Italy. And we are having the most fascinating discussions with her regarding her career and we'll be exploring that in uh, far greater detail during the rest of the course of the presentation. But I would like us... Uh, knowing of the great interest of our listeners, uh, or of many of our listeners in the world of art, I'd like us to turn our attention to the Seychelles. Now, this is where I had the privilege and singular honor of meeting uh, Professor Kobeli. It was on the um, Mahe, the uh, largest of the uh, Seychelles archipelago, and uh, Evige kindly flew in uh, to celebrate uh, two 60th birthday parties, one of which was mine, and the other one was Bruce Almagreen's. So that's where we met, and I was listening, of course, to all the uh, presentations uh, at the Seychelles. It was an awesome, stunning week, uh, incredible week. I can never, ever, ever forget just the excitement and the incredibly high level of science. But then I realized in listening to Professor Corbelli that she has a great, great, great interest in art. Um, perhaps not too much more than the average Italian woman, although I do think she's got a remarkable eye for the connection between uh, different aspects of culture. And, you know, one thing I've always been uh, very interested in is the connection between the human brain on art and astronomy. Um, Evige, could you please, uh, we're going to fast forward a little and then come back. Um, could you tell us how your interest in um, art actually started and then why Van Gogh?
Slight technical hitch there, but we're back, we're back online with Professor Evige Kobele. You there, Evige? Yes, I'm here. Sorry for that technical glitch. I was just telling the listeners that uh, I had the privilege of hearing you speak in the Seychelles Archipelago on the island of Mahe, and I was absolutely enthralled and entranced by your talk because it brought two themes which I adore together. The one theme is that of science and astronomy, and then the other theme was that of art. And I'd love you to just tell our listeners, um, you know, you obviously have a very interesting eye for astronomical depictions in art, and of course Van Gogh, which we'll be discussing. But how did your interest in art really start? Uh, well, the, the thing that uh, interested me most uh, was uh, the connection between um, art and astronomy. I, I mean, I, I, I like art, but I don't. I am not an expert of art. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like a lot uh, the connection between different aspects of knowledge, like uh, the connection between physics and music, between the music and the human brain, mm -hmm. or art and astronomy. So, in making this connection, uh, I, I've been uh, reading a lot mm -hmm. about Van Gogh uh, as a person and Van Gogh as an artist. Mm -hmm. um, everything, the story about Van Gogh started uh, when I was visiting Booz Almagrin in New York, and that's the reason why I was... Uh, talking in Seychelles about Van Gogh mm -hmm. because there was a meeting in honor of you, David, and Bruce, and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I, I, I thought maybe it was worth it to let the rest of astronomy know about this interesting connection Absolutely. Uh, about the art of Van Gogh and his knowledge of astronomy. And um, so the... The, the the interest started because when I was visiting Booth in New York, we decided to discuss about a paper we were writing on massive stars. Yes. And uh, we decided to meet uh, in the Museum of Modern Art. Mm. Um, well, that's because, uh, you know, when you land in New York, uh, to, to go from uh, the airport to Bruce's uh, office, yes. it would take a lot of time. Yes. So Bruce kindly decided yes. to come down and meet uh, in a museum, which is a very quiet place where Correct. you can discuss everything yes. about. Mm -hmm. And just by chance, uh, once uh, we were at the entrance of the museum, we discovered that there was a nice exhibition, uh, a special exhibition, about Van Gogh, and the exhibition was about Van Gogh and the color of the night. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was about the first period of the artistic life of Van Gogh, mm -hmm. uh, something I never really uh, paid attention to because uh, I mostly admired uh, his later work, uh, you know, the colorful paintings mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. he was in southern France. Yes. And uh, so during these uh, early paintings, uh, after discussing the paper, we, of course, visited the exhibition. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was very impressed by his writing because there was some uh, original uh, letter that he wrote to his uh, brother or to some friends. And I discovered that this man has a very deep insight, a very deep feelings. 
And these feelings were much, much related to darkness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for example, something that I still have uh, written on the back of an envelope uh, that uh, I I read uh, while visiting the MoMA, mm -hmm. um, uh, tells, tells, me, tells me this. I mean, I remember the, the words that she writes in a letter, uh, which are the following. When that fell, imagine the silence the peace of that moment. Mm. And then uh, he writes the whole letter about how uh, wonderful is uh, dusk and darkness and, uh, you know, this moment at night. Mm. And then he finishes the letter by saying, the day was over. And mm. from dawn to dusk, or mm. rather from one night to another night, I had forgotten myself in that symphony. Mm. And so, I mean, I I was uh, shocked by 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 the feeling of the painter. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the, clearly there was a message behind the letter mm -hmm. that he was not painting uh, like doing a job, but mm -hmm. he was trying to express some deep feeling inside. Yes. And so I started being interested in uh, his uh, his story. So I read a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> about him. And uh, uh, and I made a connection from what I read and from uh, his uh, most famous uh, paintings, a connection uh, with astronomy, since I discovered that astronomy was for him a very important mm. uh, part of his knowledge. Mm. And that uh, he uses astronomy in connection also with other things like religion, religion and other feelings, but he, he knew a lot about the emergence of a new science, which is astrophysics. Mm. Because before Van Gogh was born, an astronomer used to look at the sky, but uh, just counting stars or discovering new comets, uh, but they did not really understood um, mm -hmm. the, the, the physics behind the science stars, behind I mean, it, what, yes. are, what are stars made of. Mm -hmm. uh, they did not even know that the sun was a star. Mm -hmm. And so the birth of astrophysics was uh, at the, uh, in, in the knowledge of Van Gogh in that period, since he was, uh, he was a person uh, who read uh, used to read a lot of books and uh, he worked in a bookstore and so other than art he was a very uh, a person very culturally elevated I mean in a way he knew a lot about mm. what was going on in the world at the time he grew up mm. it's very interesting you know I remember Van Gogh holding a poem by Van Beers and part of the poem which Van Gogh really loved and copied was this, and I quote, For the artist, too, on the slope of a shady hill, absorbed in his painting from the earliest morning, the angelus now gave the sign to retreat. Slowly he wiped his brush and palette, which he stowed with his canvas, folded his camp stool and dreamily descended the path that leads gently winding through the flowery dale to 
the village, quote, unquote. Now, Evij, I just have in front of me uh, The Starry Night by Van Gogh. And listeners, I'd urge you just to go on to Google now and type in Van Gogh, Starry Night, and a plethora of different um, images of that incredible painting will come forth. But just in looking at, at it myself, I see a church, I see a church steeple, I see an incredible landscape on the ground, but then I see many swirls all over the place. Are those swirls actually the Milky Way, Evige? Well, that is a long story also, uh, because uh, in my interpretation, I would say yes, it is the Milky Way, because uh, uh, there is no other large object in the sky other than the Milky Way. Uh, but the... the, the the particular thing is that he makes the Milky Way in that uh, paintings um, like a spiral. And there was no obvious at that time because nobody had realized yet, yet that uh, we live in a spiral nebula. I mean, yes. one of the great discoveries of the astronomy of the 19th century a world spiral nebula. There was uh, clearly a, a difference uh, from other nebula because of their shape. Yes. And uh, because nobody knew uh, what spiral nebula were. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, some astronomy believed that they were outside of our galaxy. Some astronomy believed they were inside our galaxy. And, uh, and Van Gogh had no knowledge of what the spirals were. And, uh, however, there was a suggestion in my head, my head, uh, read in a book uh, that was uh, given by a, a German naturalist. And this German naturalist, uh, thought that, uh, we live in a spiral galaxy. But the astronomy at that time did not really pay much attention to this suggestion. Mm -hmm. So maybe Van Gogh did read about it. Maybe he was just his imagination. Mm -hmm. He's, uh, going beyond reality. I mean, mm -hmm. he often says that the artist has not to paint the reality, but has to go beyond the reality and work with his own imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe mm -hmm. what he did is mm -hmm. just imagine that this large structure within the sky, which we know today is the disk of our galaxy of the Milky Way, mm -hmm. and that the Milky Way has a spiral shape that we know today, but at the time... Uh, they had the astronomy had absolutely no hint about mm, it, mm. and so they they were surely an an artistic impression, and uh, and that's very different the way he paints the the, the spiral in the middle mm -hmm. of his uh, mm -hmm. of his painting is so huge and has no color opposite to the stars absolutely because the stars have absolutely. colors and that's uh, you know remarkable because uh, the colors he gives to the stars are uh, it comes from his knowledge because at that time astronomy was discovering that the stars have colors 
Mm-hmm. I'd love you to. You that I, I have callers. I'd love yes. you to explore that a little more because many of our listeners are age twenty-five and younger, and they might not be aware of the work of Fraunhofer, of Seki, and others. But uh, you know, I suppose to the average eye, then all stars were white um, to the public eye. But you clearly um, have commented on a very important point, which I'd like you to elaborate on, is that the colors of the stars in, say, Starry Night, they've known they are not white by any means, but a plethora of different colors. Isn't that so? Yes, I mean, I, um, I would like to talk a little bit about uh, these, these colors. Please the do, stars. please People do. Don't, don't really realize that uh, stars have, uh, have a color. And uh, indeed, if you look at the sky, you barely see maybe some of the stars are yellow. Maybe if you look uh, towards Orion, you will see that Betelgeuse has a, has a yellow color. But our eyes uh, are, are not enough to see all the colors that the stars uh, can, that the stars have, mm-hmm. because they have a limited vision of, of light. So what you need uh, to uh, observe the colors of the sky, uh, of the of the stars, and of the celestial object is a, is is a telescope. I mean, this is like a prism, eh? you know, it's very simple. Uh, um, Absolutely. Machine, uh, mm-hmm. that, yes, the light, the white light comes in, and then when it comes out of the prism, you see the colors. Yes. So you decompose the light into mm-hmm. its constituents. Mm-hmm. And so the astronomers, uh, after Fraunhofer introduced, uh, look at the, at the sunlight using a prism, a spectroscope, uh, realized that, that uh, by pointing also more distant stars, that also distant stars show uh, different colors and maybe different from the sun. Mm-hmm. But one star maybe show, shows the same color as another star, mm-hmm. and instead a third star may have a completely different colors than the first two. And so they start classifying stars according to the color. There was a, a tremendous knowledge about the fact that, that uh, in the sky you can find stars that have the same colors and stars that have different colors. Mm-hmm. And so stars are not all the same. Mm-hmm. There was a fundamental concept mm-hmm. that stars are different. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there on, they discovered that stars have, stars have structures. And uh, so the different colors also indicate a different composition of the stars. So stars are not all the same. Mm-hmm. That's the message that Richard Van Gogh. And so when he painted the Starry Night, of course, he uses, he makes the star using different colors. Mm-hmm. In particular, when I talk to the kids, uh, you know, I say, you know, that small stars, I mean, uh, the small stars uh, are more red and yes. the bigger stars are bluer mm-hmm. and they are shocked uh, not only because the stars have colors but also because one usually associates the red color to the hot mm-hmm. object and mm-hmm. the blue color to the cold object uh, instead you know it's the opposite because the blue color is more related to higher frequency and so is related to a hotter star mm-hmm. and so the red color is related to a small star because it's a cooler object and so it emits more towards the red portion of the electromagnetic spectrum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is something that uh, of course Van Gogh realized because uh, 
he clearly say in writing to his sister, if you only pay attention to the sky, mm. you will see that certain stars are lemon yellow, mm. others are pink or green, mm. blue or forget-me-not mm. brilliant. Mm. And without my exploring these in detail, it is obvious that putting little white dots on a blue-black is not enough to paint the sky. Mm. Mm. So that clearly gives us the impression that he knows about everything that was running in the astronomy field at that time. Mm. I'd love to just repeat that sentence which you've quoted uh, which I believe was written to his sister Wilhelmina in uh, September of 1888. And I quote again, just to repeat you, if I may, if only you pay attention to it, you will see that certain stars are lemon yellow, others a pink green, blue, and forget me not brilliance. It is obvious that putting little white dots on the blue-black is not enough to paint a starry sky. And also, of course, a very famous quote by Van Gogh regarding painting in general. And I quote, If you hear a voice within you say, You cannot paint, then by all means paint, and that voice will be silenced. I repeat, if you hear a voice within you say, You cannot paint, then by all means paint, and that voice will be silenced. Van Gogh also said these words, Great things are done by a series of small things uh, brought together. Now, what always strikes me about the starry night is not only, are not only the swirls and um, just all the incredible colors, but just thinking of Van Gogh's paintings in general, for example, the sower, the siesta, the female figure resting in fields of wheat. Uh, there you have uh, the sower bright rather than dark, don't you, Yvige? Sorry, can you repeat the question? I, I didn't get it. So um, what I'm saying is Van Gogh didn't always paint black. For example, in the Soa, the Siesta, it's a yellow painting where male and female figure are seen in a field of wheat. He uses the pen, he uses the brush rather, to go to depict reality, but almost beyond reality. But he doesn't see dreariness. His work... I remember being uh, at the Rodin Museum, Musée Rodin, in Paris a while ago, and I saw one of his works of um, of uh, a few people in the wheat fields, and incredibly filled with a tremendous degree of color. Is that not true? Yes, he calls himself a colorist, uh, because he says, instead of trying to reproduce exactly what I see, I use the color arbitrarily in order to express myself. I can express the hope through a star and the art of a living being through the ray of a setting sun. And of course, he uses uh, um, to paint the wheat fields a lot because he's uh, uh, taken by the life cycles in a way. 
And so this siesta is a, a very yellow painting. I was impressed by looking at the siesta. Uh, in, if you happen to visit uh, the museum and look at the siesta, you see this very bright yellow color coming mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. and this male and female figure resting uh, in uh, in the shadow uh, in the field of a wheat. Um, and yes. they that clearly it it underlines that he's using another language, the mm-hmm. language of color. Mm. Also, I love that the language painted. of color. The same the same subject was painted by Miglet mm-hmm. uh, before Van Gogh made it mm-hmm. his fiesta, but uh, you know has a completely different background and different colors. Mm-hmm. In fact, he says he translates his own impression using colors. And uh, use, uses light and darkness to translate the feeling, and mm-hmm. uh, so they, they uses it in a way a chromatic construction to express, uh, you know, what he, he, uh, his feeling is. So the sky in this paint is uh, is completely dark. This mm. is unusual, you know, because he sometimes paints the sky with uh, the sky is. Uh, is the first thing in this painting that comes with colors, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. historically. But in this painting, the sky is dark, and the last, and the landscape instead is very bright. Mm-hmm. And the, the figures have the same color of the sky, and so um, it's very impressive. I mean, I it's, it's some uh, uh, some of the of his painting that I I like a lot because it tells me. Uh, about how important it was for him to use the colors in the right way. Mm. I mean, and the sky, it, uh, mm. the sky brightness and the mm. figures uh, in the sky that mm. it paints. Uh, so it's a mix of knowledge and a mix of artistic uh, impression, artistic language in a way. So it's, uh, I'm just looking it's in front of two subjects. I'm just looking in front of me, Evige, to Van Gogh's famous uh, Terrace of a Cafe at Night, painted in 1888. And there you see people sitting on the terrace, enjoying their cappuccinos or whatever they're enjoying. And, uh, you know, yeah. then you've got all these incredible stars up there. And the, the color of the sky is just so awesome, sort of a rich blue hue. And then you've just got the stars. Clearly the stars were very, very central in his mind. But I remember uh, when you so graciously flew out for the birthday function, I remember you telling us that Van Gogh was also scientifically accurate, for example, with regard to stellar positions or eclipses and so on. Could you tell us about those remarkable findings of yours? Yes. Um, I mean, I, I, I have to, to say that he was very careful in painting the stars and painting the sky in general. And uh, so, but he was not... Uh, an amateur astronomer in a way. So his interest for a, for the firmament and for a starry night grew because the sky recalled him of God and eternity. That was number one. Yes. Uh, Just so repeat, he was fascinating. The, 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 the theme of God, you say? Well, yes, eternity and, uh, you know, the connection mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. the earth and something else. Yes. So it was fascinating uh, by the fading of daylight and uh, by the twilight. Yes. Uh, because the coming of darkness uh, was giving him uh, a moment uh, to gather together with friends and family, but also to think and to read uh, 
and uh, contemplate the sky and the concept of infinity. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he looks at the sky continuously because mm-hmm. of this uh, connection that he makes. Mm-hmm. And by looking continuously, he acquires a tremendous knowledge also how the sky is and that the star is brighter than another star. Mm-hmm. And put it together with the knowledge he has that stars are different color and different position. Mm-hmm. And uh, the moon, for example, he looks at the moon in very different perspective mm-hmm. with the eyes of someone who wonders about what is happening to the moon. Mm-hmm. So he never paints uh, the sky the sky in the same way, if you notice. And uh, so even uh, the, the sun, Venus, and the moon, uh, they appear in a different way, in a different flavor, according to the moment he paints uh, the, what he wants to paint. Yeah. And because he pays attention to the way they, they, they are in that moment. Mm-hmm. So for, for the moon, for example, there is a famous... Uh, um, painting called the landscape with the witches and the rising moon. Mm. Um, this painting is it's, uh, subsequent to the famous Starry Night, and it was just made uh, one or two months later than the Starry Night. And uh, it, it is peculiar because um, uh, for the first time he paints the moon uh, as a full moon. Yes, with that's a reddish correct. color. Yes. And uh, that was quite curious to me. I mean, why is painting the moon uh, using uh, the red color? I- exactly. And I look at uh, to the to the series of astronomical events uh, that mm-hmm. was going on in that period in southern France. Mm-hmm. And I noticed uh, that uh, there was a partial moon eclipse at that time. Mm. And as you know, but maybe not, nobody is uh, not all of our listeners mm, uh, mm, are aware mm, that mm. Uh, during the moon eclipse, mm. uh, the moon does not become black That's in the Earth's right. shadow, Absolutely. but red. red. And Blood that is red. the fact that the Earth has an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And Van Gogh is aware uh, and noticed the color of the moon. And, uh, you know, they, they, um, he played attention uh, by looking at the moon, but also he's aware of the fact that the eclipse uh, is due to the shadowed earth because uh, in, in a, writing a letter, not commenting this particular painting, but another one, when he paints uh, the, the moon uh, as a crescent moon, uh, he comments that the crescent moon maybe it's like this because uh, the shadow of the earth is uh, on the moon. Now, that's not really the case because yes. the crescent moon uh, is not an eclipse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he has the concept, he has acquired the concept, and mm-hmm. he knows that the eclipse was going on in southern France, and so he paid attention to the moon, and when he sees the eclipse, he notices that the moon is not dark, it's not like a crescent moon, but it's reddish because of the color uh, that, uh, that the sunlight going to the Earth's atmosphere and going to the moon gives the moon a reddish color, so... He's very careful in observing these astrophysical phenomena through his career, I have to say. It's very, very... His short career, because we painted only for seven years, unfortunately. Very, very short time indeed. I love a quote by Van Gogh, uh, which reads the following, listeners. Uh, I dream of painting, and then I paint my dream. I dream of painting, and then 
I Paint My Dream. You're listening to Professor David Block. I have the singular honor today of interviewing Professor Corbelli, who works in the incredibly beautiful city of Florence in Italy. I heard her speak in the Seychelles. Uh, she flew out for our 60th birthday function. And I was just enraptured by her love for art, for music, for the brain, for culture, for the interface between the very, very small and the very, very big. Here we have a lady who studied under Ed Saltpeter, one of the greatest astrophysicists, I would say, in his arena of all time. She studied under the masters, and yet her study of the night sky is not merely some cold brush of the pen, but she She's been able to look at the incredible works of Van Gogh and see something quite amazing, given the primitive nature of astronomy at that time, in a sense, is that she's told us, listeners, uh, as to the, she's enlightened us as to the glory of the night sky, as to the colors of the stars, as to the swirling Milky Way. Here was a man who lived beyond his time, Van Gogh. Here was a man who wanted to depict reality, but using also the sense of imagination. As we wrap up, Ivige, how important is imagination? Do you believe to the progress of science and astronomy? Well, uh, it plays uh, it plays uh, part of the game. Yes, uh, not it the does. true game, I would say. Yes, because uh, uh, knowledge acquiring the, some knowledge of what the others have studied is important. So. It is very important uh, to 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 have inspiration also in science. So in a way, imagination or inspiration or you know, try to guess what is beyond the data or what is the universe is very important. Once a colleague of mine told me that the universe maybe has a very similar principle to the Heisenberg principle, so that we sometimes capture the universe in one state and sometimes we capture the universe in a different state. That is still imagination, but is a very, very nice way of looking, and maybe one day we will discover that this is the truth. We don't know. So one has to to try and uh, and also guess what is beyond the data sometime and we do this in the interpretation of uh, what we see and what we detect with our telescope and so um, i think it it's a good uh, a good thing to have the imagination not only in art but also in astronomy and i remember einstein speaking about that pivotal role which imagination can play. Ivige, we have a special song which we're going to play just for you. It's a song that I trust will bring back very happy memories. It has been, so don't hang up, but it's been a singular honor and joy for listeners across the world to listen to uh, Professor Evige Cobelli from Firenze, from Florence in Italy, speaking about Van Gogh and the colors of the night. Listen.
To all our listeners, do remember that you can download the podcast of this most insightful interview with Professor Evige Kobili. Just go to www.cliffcentral.com, hit on the uh, Professor David Block show, the link, and on the Professor David Block link, you shall find the button to download the podcast. It has been awesome talking to you, Evige. Thank you so much for joining us from Florence and for sharing your insights and whetting multitudes of listeners' appetites in the wonders of Van Gogh, in the wonders of astronomy. We thank you.